Uh, now can I encourage you to please take a Bible with, uh, from you, and it should be in the pews in front of you. And we're going to look at two parts of the Bible this morning. Uh, one section in Matthew's Gospel, which is the continuation of our series, Surprised by Jesus. So it's Matthew chapter 8, 18 to 22, and that's on page 973 if you're using a church Bible. And then after that, we're going to flick over a number of pages to page 1048 to Luke chapter 14. So uh, Matthew chapter 8 to start with, and then Luke chapter 14. And this morning, you should find pi- Bibles in every pew, so you should be able to turn there. So 973. If you're joining us this morning for the first time, we're, we're looking at a series through Matthew's gospel at the minute. Um, we're looking at Matthew's chapter 8 and 9 at the moment, and things that are surprising about Jesus. And this morning, what we're going to see with Jesus is that when it comes to following him, he never hides the cost. That's the surprising thing. When it comes to following Jesus, he never hides the cost. So let's read from verses 18 to 22 of Matthew 8, and then we'll turn over to Luke 14. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. And I invite you to turn over to to Luke 14. Please keep that one mark because we're going to look at both of these passages this morning. But please turn over to Luke chapter 14. And we're going to read from verses 25 down to 33. Luke writes this, large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he's not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. So please keep that passage open as we come to look at it. Matthew chapter 8 in a moment, and then we'll flick over to Luke chapter 14. But before we come to do that, let's pray together again. And we're going to pray for others this morning, and we're going to pray particularly for those who now God seems to be silent. I'm sure we all know people going through difficult things. And for some of these people, it seems that God is silent. So we're going to pray for these people just now. Let's pray together. Living God, we know that you're a God who answers prayer. And we want to praise you this morning for those times, those many times in our lives when you've responded to our prayers and granted our requests. But we confess this morning too that there are times when you seem silent. 
when listen though we might, we cannot hear your voice. And so we pray now this morning for all who cry to you, but who feel their prayers are unanswered. We think of those we know and love facing difficult times, those battling with illnesses, those wrestling with depression, those fighting addiction, those anxious about the future, those who are grieving deeply for loved ones. Father, we would pray that as they pray to you, that you would hear their prayers and that you would speak words of comfort to them. Father, we think also of those for whom life seems to be a puzzle just now, even a burden. Those who long to find hope, those who long to make sense out of the confusion that their life has become. Father, would you hear their prayers this morning? And would you speak words of assurance to them? Father, we think of those who feel far from you just now, maybe burdened by doubt, maybe overwhelmed by temptation, maybe crushed by failure, maybe those who long to know you better but find it hard to come close to you. Father, would you hear them as they pray to you and would you grant them a sense of your presence? Father, we think of those who want to serve you but are weighed down by a sense of weakness who think their lack of faith or their repeated mistakes have cut them off from you. Father, would you hear their prayers and would you speak your words of grace and forgiveness and mercy to them? Father, we think of those who are seeking your guidance just now. Those who feel really unsure about the way ahead. Those who are uncertain about the, their ability to face the future those who are unclear as to what you want from them, those who don't know what your plan is for their life, Father, would you hear their prayers and reassure them of your sovereignty over them and over all things. Living God, this morning we're conscious that so many people cry out to you, yet seem to receive no answer. Some maybe because they don't expect to receive one. Some maybe because they don't want to listen to the answer that you give but also some who cry out and see no assurance, no guidance, no peace. Oh, Father, would you speak to them through your word and by your spirit? Oh, Lord, would you not keep silent for these folk, but reach into their hurt and into their pain, into their need, into their hopelessness, and bring your words of comfort and peace and assurance and sovereignty. Lord, we pray these things to you this morning, knowing that you hear us, because we pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, please do open to Matthew chapter 8, and let's pray as we come to look at God's word together. <clears throat> Almighty God, we're so thankful to have the words of Jesus written down for us printed in our own language so that we can read them and understand them. Oh Lord, as we come to look at the words of Christ this morning, would we hear him speaking to us through his spirit? Lord, may we heed what he says. May we not ignore it, 
but may we take it on board. Lord, speak to us this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's a question for you. Have you ever been hit with a surprise cost? Do you know what I mean? One of those things where you're not expecting to pay for it, and then suddenly out of nowhere, it just happens. I find it happens whenever I'm booking flights to go somewhere. It's brilliant. I'm online. I want to fly to Spain for my summer holidays, and there it is, an absolute bargain, 50 quid return. Brilliant. So I hit book. And then as I go through the process, it asks me some very basic questions. But every time I say yes to one of these questions, the price goes up. Cha-ching! You know, so would you like luggage, you know, on board for your flight to Spain? Of course I would. Cha-ching! And would you like luggage on your way home? Yes, I would. Cha-ching! Would you like to sit beside your wife? I'm sure I would. Yeah, cha-ching! Would you like to sit beside your kids? I suppose I have to. Cha-ching! You know, would you like a seatbelt? Well, yeah, you know, cha-ching! But you get the idea, don't you? Suddenly at the end of the process, your 50 quid flight is actually 150 pounds and you feel like you've been conned. You know, it's like that, isn't it? And it happens in lots of ways. You go out for a lovely meal and you, you know what you're getting and you're out with friends and you've settled the bill. You know, you've got everyone to give the right amount. You've even put a little bit extra in for the tip and then the bill comes and it's a lot more expensive. Why? Because they charge you for those pesky bottles of water that you didn't expect to pay for. And they've added a 20% surcharge for the service. But you know what it's like, don't you? You think something is going to cost something. And then there's that hidden surprise, that hidden cost. And you feel like you've been conned. And you feel a little bit annoyed. And you feel a little bit resentful. And you think to yourself, why didn't they just tell me the full cost of this up front? Well, I know why they didn't, because you wouldn't buy it, would you? You wouldn't pay 150 quid for the flight. You wouldn't order the, the side dishes if you knew that you were going to have to pay for the water. The reason why companies hide costs like this is because they're dying for your business. They're dying for you to buy from them. And so they hide the real cost, the true cost of what their service or what their goods will really cost you. And one of the things that's really, really surprising about Jesus, though, is that Jesus does the opposite of this. What these companies do, whenever they hide the costs, what you will find if you read the Gospels is that Jesus does the complete opposite. Instead of hiding what it might cost someone to follow him, what Jesus does is he says to them, listen, I want you to know straight up front that if you follow me, it might cost you dearly. I want you to know that if you come after me and live under my rule and live under my leadership and live the way that I'm calling you to live, I want you to know right up front that it might cost you dearly. Jesus does the opposite of these companies. Jesus is right up front saying to people over and over again, come after me. It's going to cost you dearly. Now, now, please don't mishear me here. Because what Jesus doesn't say is he doesn't say that salvation costs something. That's free. Forgiveness is this amazing free gift that we receive when we put our trust in Jesus. We don't do anything to earn forgiveness. It is completely, totally free. Christ died for our sins. He purchased that forgiveness. That is paid for. That is free. We receive that as a gift. 
But once we receive that forgiveness, we make Jesus our king, don't we? Once we receive that forgiveness, we we start to live with Jesus as our leader. He's our forgiver, our savior, but he's also our leader, our king. And what Jesus does right up front is he says, listen, if you live with me as your king, it's going to cost you dearly. If you follow the path I have for you, it might cost you an awful, awful lot. And why does Jesus do this? See, it's really interesting. Whenever you read about Jesus, he's not interested in having fans. He's not interested in getting your business. What Jesus is interested in is having dedicated followers, people who will live his way, who will be his ambassadors, who will speak his gospel, who will show helping hands to people in need. Jesus is after dedicated followers. He's not after fans. If Jesus lived today, he wouldn't be on Instagram because he's not interested in getting the applause of the masses. No, Jesus is interested in calling people into discipleship. He's interested in having followers. And you see this in the Gospels. You see, if you read through the biographies of Jesus' life in the Bible, there's something really interesting, and it happens over and over and over again, and we're going to see it this morning. Whenever Jesus is surrounded by fans, whenever he's drawn a big crowd, whenever he's got the, the praise and the admiration of lots of people, when people are applauding him and going, look at Jesus, isn't he brilliant? Do you know what he does? Every single time he's surrounded by fans, not every single time, but most times, he talks about the cost of being his disciple. Every time he's surrounded by people who admire him, who are applauding him, who are saying, you know, I, I really like him. He talks about the cost of being his disciple. And it's not that he's trying to put people off. It's not that he doesn't want people to follow him. But he doesn't want anyone to feel conned. He doesn't want anyone to start out following him and then find it's hard and feel like they've been conned by Jesus. He wants people to know what they're in for when they sign up. And here in Matthew's gospel and in Luke's gospel, the passages that we're going to look at this morning, we're going to see this. We're going to see him surrounded by crowds and talking about the cost of being one of his disciples. So we'll look at Matthew chapter 8, first of all. If you remember from last week, Jesus had been doing some surprising things. He'd been healing people. Particularly last week, we saw he healed these outsiders. So he healed the leper, he healed the centurion's servant, and then he healed the, the woman, Peter's mother-in-law. And obviously, Jesus then goes on, and we're told at the end of that part in verse 16, that he's healing lots of people. The demon-possessed are coming to him, and, and he's drawing quite a following. He's drawing quite a lot of fans. And have, if you look at verse 18, you're going to see that. It says there, when Jesus saw the crowd around him, do you see that? He sees his admirers. He sees he's got all of these fans. He sees all these people. So he sees this crowd, and then he gives the order. Verse 18, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. He wants to, to go away from them. He wants to get away from the fans. He's not interested in having fans. He's interested in having followers. But anyway, as he gives orders to go over to the other side, a man comes up to him. And I got to say, these are some of the most enthusiastic words I've ever seen. 
when it comes to being a follower of Jesus. Look at that. A man comes up to him who's described as a, a scribe. He's a teacher of the law. He's a man who knows the scriptures. And just look what he says. Look at this commitment. Look at this enthusiasm. Look what he says. Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Isn't that amazing? This man, and, and he sees Jesus, and he's on, he says, Jesus, listen, wherever you go, I'm in. Wherever you go, I'm going to go, Jesus. I'm up for this. I want to be on your team. I want to follow you wherever you go. I want to be a disciple. Wherever you go, I will go. We'd love to hear people say that today, wouldn't we? What we would give for, for to hear people in our community and in our families and our friends, what we would give to hear people say that, wouldn't we? I'm in. I want to follow you, Jesus. It's brilliant. But what's really interesting is how Jesus responds. Because do you notice what he doesn't say? Jesus doesn't say, oh, that is fantastic. I'm so glad you're on my team. Let's go. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say to him, listen, that's brilliant. We're going to have a brilliant time together. Your life is going to be fantastic. It's now going to be full, and we're going to have the best time ever. He doesn't say that. Now, what Jesus does is he makes this man who's very enthusiastic, he makes him realize that if he follows Jesus, it might cost him his personal comfort. What Jesus does is he says to this man, if you follow me, do you realize it's going to cost your personal comfort? And we see that in the words that Jesus says to him. Look at verse 20. His reply, listen, foxes have dens. And birds of nests, but I, the Son of Man, have no place to lay his head. Do you get the gist of what he's saying? Listen, mister, I hear that you're saying you're going to follow me wherever you, I go. I hear you saying that. But do you realize I don't even have a place to call my own? Do you realize that that I'm going to be going about for the next three years and I'm going to be preaching in towns and villages all over Galilee and all over this land and I'm going to be staying in homes where people invite me in. I'm going to be sofa surfing. Do you realize that? And, and do you realize that on the nights that I have nowhere to stay, I'm going to be sleeping outside on a mountainside? Do, do you realize that? You know, those foxes, they got dens, and those birds, they got nests. I don't have a place. And mister, if you follow me for these next three years, you won't have a place either. I hear what you're saying. I hear your dedication. I hear your enthusiasm. I hear excitement. But listen, if you follow me, it might cost you your personal comfort. You really up for that? You really up for that? Do you hear the gist of what Jesus is getting at? He's making it really plain to this man who's so enthusiastic that if he follows Jesus, it may cost him his personal comfort. Now, folks, we will not be following Jesus around towns and villages, sofa surfing and sleeping on mountainsides with him. But if we follow Jesus... It might cost us our personal comfort. Maybe you're here this morning and you're considering following Christ. 
maybe God has been at work in your life in such a way that you feel that call, you, you feel that compulsion to follow Jesus. Well, if that's you this morning, I want you to know that if you do, it might cost you your personal comfort. And we've seen that, haven't we? If you're a Christian, you've seen that time and time again, haven't you? Jesus, what does he do? He, he leads you to give. He leads you to give to the poor and the needy. He, he leads you to give to the kingdom causes. And suddenly, you don't have as much money for yourself as you would have if you weren't a Christian. Very inconvenient. Can't buy the things that you'd love to buy. Your personal comfort in some way is limited. And then what does Jesus do? He also leads you into serving him, doesn't he? He, he leads you into serving in his church or serving outside or getting involved in his kingdom work and suddenly you don't have the time that you would have if you weren't a Christian. Suddenly your time has been taken up doing things for others and, and getting involved. And they're good things. But both of those things at times we feel the cost of that, don't we? Do we not all sometimes think, you know what, if I wasn't a Christian, I'd just have a little bit more time to myself? We feel that cost, don't we? Do you know what, if I wasn't a Christian, I would have saved so much money for my retirement or for my holidays or for my kids or for my new car. You know, if I, if I wasn't a Christian, I, I would have that stuff. We feel that cost. But what I want to say to you is not to be surprised by it. And despite the cost, the, the personal cost of your personal comfort, I want to encourage you that that's normal. That's what Jesus said it might cost us to follow him. It might cost our comfort. Maybe you're here this morning and you're struggling with this. Maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking to yourself, do you know what, sometimes I wish I wasn't a Christian because I'd be a lot more comfortable if I wasn't. It's 20 past 12. I might still be in bed on a Sunday morning. But you get the idea, don't you? But Jesus says this. If you follow me, it might cost you your personal comfort. And then he moves on because a another man comes to him. He's not a scribe this time. He's someone who's described actually as a disciple. He's someone who in his mind thinks, yes, I, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm in. I want to be a Christian. I want to be a disciple. I want to follow Jesus. So he descri he's described as a disciple. And anyway, this man, he's been learning from Jesus. He's been hearing his teaching. And he comes to Jesus. And what he basically says to Jesus, he says, listen, Jesus, I want to follow you, but I've got some of my own plans that I need to finish first. I, I want to be in. I want to follow you, but I want to do that further down the line because I've got some well-intentioned plans, some good things I need to do. And once I've done them, once I've completed my well-intentioned plans, then I'm in. So you see it in verse 21. This man, he comes up to Jesus and he says, so he's talking about following, he says, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Okay, Jesus, I hear that you're calling us to go over to the other side of the lake just now. I get that you're calling us to follow you for these next number of years and travel around with you. But listen, can I just go and bury my father first? Now, what you have to understand is the man is not actually literally asking to bury his father that day. Okay, the man's father is not yet dead. You see, if the man's father was dead, then the man would be with his father and they'd be doing the funeral that day because in the Jewish culture, you buried someone on the same day. Think of Jesus. He died on the cross and they were keen to get him down to bury him that day. 
You see, what this man is actually asking for, it, it's, it's, a, it's a phrase, it was a saying that was used. And what it was saying was, listen, let me fulfill all of my family duties to my dad. Let me be the good son to him. Let me look after him. And then Jesus, once he's dead, once he's off the scene, then I'll come follow you. So Jesus, my, my dad's only like 40. He's probably got another 30 years left. So look, let me just look after him for these next 30 years. And then I'll come follow you. Let me just complete my well-intentioned plan. Let me just do what I want to do first of all. Let me get all of my goals, all of my ambitions, all of my stuff. Let me get that all ticked off the bucket list. And then I'll come follow you. And Jesus' reply, well, it's blunt. We're from East Belfast. We quite like blunt, don't we? It's blunt. Look at verse 22. Follow me. And let the dead bury their own dead. I hear what you're saying. Your, your plan is fine. That's a good thing to do. There's nothing wrong with it. But listen, I'm calling you to follow me now. I'm calling you to come now and follow me. I'm, I'm not asking you to wait. I'm, I'm not saying that you can do that. Come and follow me now. And you see, what this shows us is that following Jesus might cost us our well-intentioned plans. Following Jesus may cost us our plans. In everyday life, it might cost us our plans. We might have planned to do something that day that we really want to do, and it's a nice thing to do, and it's a good thing to do, and suddenly you're confronted with a person in need, maybe from the church family, maybe from your own family, whatever it is, and to follow Jesus means you go and help them. And that's your plan for that day ruined. But folks, maybe it's the plan for your life. Maybe you have a well-intentioned plan for your life. Maybe you have a well-intentioned plan for your retirement. Maybe you have a well-intentioned plan for your career or your finances. But what I want you to know is that if Jesus calls you to follow him and you say yes, he might completely rip your plans up. It might cost you your well-intentioned plans. And some of you are here this morning and you know that. You've experienced that. There were things that you'd planned to do with your life, but you got involved with serving Jesus and you've never fulfilled those plans. And whilst you're glad that you follow Jesus, whilst you're glad you've served Jesus, whilst you're glad you've done that, you recognize that it came at a cost. But that's what Jesus says. Follow me, and it might cost you your plans. I might rip those up. I might give you new ones. Know that. Now, we don't have time to look at all of the details of Luke chapter 14, but can I encourage you, please, to turn over to Luke chapter 14 to, to the second part we read. So it's, um, hopefully you have it there. So Luke chapter 14. This next one is another. So again, if you have a look at um, verse number 25. Do you notice there, verse 25? What is he in? He's in a large crowd again. Verse 25, large crowds were traveling with Jesus. So again, Jesus is going around the areas, and he's got all the fans there, all the people who think he's great. He's got all his Instagram followers. They're all there. He's surrounded by people who admire him, think he's brilliant. And what does he do? Out of nowhere, Jesus turns to them, and he says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, 
brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. What, Jesus? Did you know he said that? Listen, cry to fans. When it comes to me and your family, when it comes to me and your friends, when it comes to me and your, your closest relationships, if you follow me, what I'm going to ask of you is to hate them. That means love them less. I'm going to ask you to love them less than you love me. I'm going to ask you to be more devoted to me than to them. I'm going to ask you to put me first above every relationship that you have. He says to this crowd, if you follow me, it's going to cost you your personal relationships. And again, we see that, don't we, in our lives? We see that in our lives. Maybe you're here this morning and you've got parents who are not Christians, and you are. And you live with them and they, and they ask you really awkward questions. Are you going to church again? What are you reading that book for? Why are you getting involved in that? You find it weird that you're a Christian and there's a certain underlying annoyance that you are. And it could be your extended family. It can be your brothers or your sisters or your aunties or your uncles. And because you're the only Christian in your family, it's like you've caused this big problem. It's like you've caused a rift just by following Jesus. You're the black sheep of the family. You make everyone else feel a bit uncomfortable. The relationship with them is not the same. I know some of you know that. Some of you have had that cost. Maybe here and you're an adult with grown-up children. And maybe you know the cost of that with your own kids. They live a lifestyle that you don't agree with because it's sinful and you refuse to bless it. You refuse to encourage it. And they hate you for it or they love you less for it. You know that pain, you know that cost. Maybe you're married here this morning to someone who's not a Christian. Maybe you know the cost in that marriage. If you're married to an unbeliever, maybe they've turned at you to some stage and says, do you have to go to church? Do you have to read your Bible? Do you have to pray? Do you have to share Jesus with our children? Maybe you've even come under the circumstances and says, listen, if you keep doing this, I'm going to divorce you. Ever had that? That could be a cost. Maybe you know the cost of personal relationships because of following Jesus. I'm sure you've all had friends abandon you. I'm sure you know it in work. Discrimination, snide comments. There's a cost of personal relationships, Jesus says, if you follow me. And then there's the last one. And if we're on board with this one, Everything else will be a cinch because the last thing that Jesus says to his followers back in Luke 14, he says, if you follow me, it might cost you your life. If you follow me, it might cost you your life. Look at verse 27. Whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. 
We don't see many people carrying crosses today, sure we don't. And if we do, it's one of those crosses that's on a wheel and they're walking around Ireland to raise money for charity. And, and that's brilliant. But in the time of Jesus, if you saw someone carrying a cross, there was only one reason for it. They were on their way to die. They were on their way to be executed. They would have walked through the streets being mocked and spat upon. And they were on their way to die for the crimes that they'd committed. And Jesus says to these people around him, he says, listen, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to carry your cross. It might cost you your life. Just as the criminal will be crucified for their crime, if you follow me, you might be crucified for living for me. Follow me, and it might cost you your very life. Here in Northern Ireland, it won't. Not right now. In other parts of the world, it does every single day. But that's what Jesus says it might cost to follow him. It might cost your very life. Now, I don't know about you, but I find this so surprising. I find what Jesus does so surprising that he is so upfront about the cost. In fact, Jesus talks about costs that some of us will never incur. But he says so upfront, so plainly, if you follow me, if you live for me, it might cost you all the things that are important to you. It might even cost you your very life. Why does he do this? Why is he so upfront? I think it's for two reasons. I think it's so that those signing up to following him know what they might be in for. Like I said earlier, maybe you're here this morning and you're not yet a follower of Jesus. Maybe you're here this morning, but you, you feel that draw towards him. Maybe you're here this morning and you know that he's actually calling you to give your life to him. Well, the reason why Jesus is telling you up front what it might cost you is so you know what you're getting in for. So you're not shocked and surprised if you start following him and your life becomes more difficult. He wants you to know that. And I think the second reason it's here in Scripture is so that those of us who are facing the cost, those of us who are struggling, those of us who are finding it hard to be a Christian are just encouraged that this is the way it's meant to be. We're not doing anything wrong. We haven't displeased God. We're not being punished. It's simply a case that if we follow Christ, there's going to be a cost. And I don't believe that the Lord wants us to give up. Last and very quick question. Why on earth should we follow Jesus then? Why would any of us ever choose to follow Jesus if this is what life is going to be like with him? There's an answer that I really want to give. Uh, and it's an answer which in some way has merit. And it's an answer which you'll hear in a lot of places. And that's basically like because it'll be worth it. And it will. It'll be worth it in eternity, whenever we're in the perfect heaven, the, the new earth with perfect bodies, when there's no more pain or sickness or death. It'll be worth it 
And that's a good answer. It will be worth it. And you will have a full life following Jesus, and that's a good answer too. They're good answers. But the reality is that as you live for Jesus, it might not really feel like it's worth it. The reality is that as you follow Jesus and it's hard and it costs you, you might question if it really is worth it. But you see, folks, the reason why we choose to follow Jesus is not because it's going to be worth it. It's because he's worthy. God the Son left heaven and he came to earth. What a cost. And then the sinless Son of God was falsely accused. And he didn't defend himself. What a cost. And then he carried that cross. And he was spat upon and he was mocked and he was beaten. What a cross. And then he was hoisted up on a cross. And he was mocked. And he was in pain. What a cost. And then on that cross, he bore the wrath of God. He faced God's almighty punishment for sin, even though he himself had never sinned. What a cost. And why did he do it? For you. He did that for you. Folks, Jesus Christ, he he gave his life for you and it cost him everything. And the question is, will you live for him? Will you follow him? Even if it costs you the same. In the late 1800s, missionaries went into India for the first time. And they saw success in this hostile Hindu nation that was just beyond what anyone could have imagined. Hundreds of thousands of Indian Hindus became followers of Jesus. And the missionaries, whenever they preached the gospel, they preached the good news of salvation, but they also preached that if someone followed Christ, it might cost them everything. Some didn't follow him, but many hundreds of thousands did. There was a Welsh missionary who really had had no success He was in a very, very hard part of India in a province called Assam. And in 1880, he saw his first converts in a little village in Assam. It was a, a man and a wife and their two children, the first converts that he'd seen. The village leaders, though, they didn't like this. They, they weren't in favor of this, and so they brought the family into the public square. And they said to the man, you need to renounce your faith. You need to come back to Hinduism. You need to renounce this Jesus who you now claim to follow. And if you don't, we will kill your children right now. His response, I have decided to follow Jesus and there will be no turning back. At that, they killed his children. And then they brought his wife before him. And they gave him another opportunity to recant. 
And he said, although there will be no one to go with me, still I will follow. And they killed her. They gave him a last chance. And his reply was this, the cross is before me and the world is behind me. There shall be no turning back. 